I'd like to take just a moment this evening to talk to you about uh, something near and dear to your heart, and that is uh, your heart. And uh, probably not the heart you're thinking about, uh, not, uh, not even that one. The heart you thought you weren't supposed to be thinking about is the one we're thinking about. I'm talking about your actual physical heart and some things that we can learn from the heart. One thing we have in common tonight is we all have one, and so far this evening, they all continue to tick along as they're intended. I remember some years ago when I was preaching in Aurora, Missouri, uh, back in the uh, sometime past, and uh, we were having a gospel meeting. Uh, my father was preaching in that meeting. It was Sunday evening, and the song leader, Jerry, the song leader announced the invitation song, sat down on his pew, and after my dad had said just a very few words of his opening remarks, uh, the song leader uh, had a massive, fatal heart attack and died right there on the pew, which, uh, which uh, was an unusual service, to say the very least. It put a pall on the whole proceedings. And uh, we never did get to sing the invitation song that night, uh, at least led by him. And uh, it, it was an interesting meeting because he started the singing service on Sunday. We had his funeral on that Wednesday of the same meeting. And his problem, it was a simple one. His heart stopped beating. And it's amazing uh, what a final and dramatic thing that does when the heart just stops beating. And so what can we learn from the heart? Well, first of all, we can learn that uh, it does not just suggest, it shouts this very concept that uh, there is a maker in back of it. Uh, the heart is a marvel. It's uh, beating at around 72 times uh, per minute. Since you were here this morning, it's beat almost 26,000 times, a tick after tick after tick, and beat after beat after beat, and here you are. And we take it so much for granted not realizing that it uh, will last a lifetime. And usually those lifetimes are in the many decades, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, even the 100s of years. And uh, we, with our ingenuity, with all of our inventiveness, with all of our technology and know-how, we have yet to be able to create and build and put together a machine uh, that can do what the heart does for the length of time it does with no servicing required. Now, time to time, you'll have a situation where somebody's heart has to be looked at, inspected, and uh, worked with and worked around, but Many of us go through a life and we end this life and we look past this life and realize we never service the heart. Like your car, it goes in every few thousand miles for an oil change. Uh, every once in a while you have to have the plugs changed, new tires, but your heart, well, it just keeps on doing what it does, beat after beat for decade after decade. We don't have a machine like that that we've built. 
The heart screams, it shouts, it demands we understand there is some maker behind that made, some designer behind that design. You might remember in first in the book of Psalms, in chapter 139, the psalmist there speaks of God's intimate knowledge of everything we are, everything that is about us. And in the midst of describing how God knows us, our downsetting, our uprising, how we can't escape from God's knowledge, he moves on to say that even when we were yet in our mother's womb, he knew us. While our parts were being formed there, and then goes on to say, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows right well. Psalm 139, verse 14. Well, the heart is a part of proving that very premise, that very matter the psalmist is speaking of. The heart suggests that we believe, it shouts that we understand that God made it. Uh, there are so many parts of the human body which are really beyond our explanation in terms of trying to reproduce, much less uh, trying to do from scratch with nothing as God has done in creating the first man. And yet of all of those uh, parts and uh, elements of the body, there are few as perplexing as the brain and the heart and the one depends upon the other, the other on the one. You can't get by without either one of them. And yet they encourage us to understand they didn't just happen by themselves. God is behind you. He's behind the heart. You didn't come by accident. We're not all here just because of some happenstance of history. We're here because God created man. He created the reproductive process. He created life itself. We're here because not of chance or aliens or us. We're here because God has so chosen. And our heart speaks to that. But that's a very small part of what I wanted to talk to you about this evening because I think all of us are on the same page to this point, realizing, well, yes, uh, uh, the heart, I take it for granted sometimes, but it's a wonder of wonders and does so much and God's behind it all. But we can learn also from the heart that, now listen carefully, it beats just one beat at a time and is content to do that. As I mentioned, your heart beats about 72 times every minute. That's a little over 103,000 times in a day. 725,000 times in a week. Over 37 million times in a year. If you live to be 80 years old, it's beat 3 billion times. And that's just math. Until you come to think about the fact that the heart, when it started out, if it had a mind like many of ours, would have been contemplating all that was ahead. And how insurmountable that workload was going to be. If you had a heart with a brain, that 
the point of birth and told that heart, you're going to be beating for three billion times, one after the other after the other. Keep it going. Don't ever give up. Don't miss one of them. You keep on beating. The heart, if it were like many of us, would say, I can't do that. That's more than anybody can possibly do. And yet it just does it one beat at a time. So many of our worries come from trying to live tomorrow's problems today. Uh, trying to live next year's situations in the here and now. Not realizing what the Bible has been trying to tell us all along. That life can just be lived in the sections of time given to it. One day at a time. Jesus taught that, remember, in Matthew chapter 6. There in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount, he's teaching about the, the folly and the faithlessness of this anxiety that worries over what we might eat or what we might drink or wherewithal we might be clothed, reminding us that even the birds of the air don't worry like that. God takes care of them. The lilies of the field, they don't worry, and yet God clothes them even more so than Solomon. And all of his splendor was arrayed. And yet we... With our minds filled with anxiety, we worry about, well, what about uh, tomorrow? Well, you have food today. Yes, I do. And you've got a place to sleep tonight. Well, well yes, I, I do. And you've had plenty to drink today. Well, yes, I, I have. And you've got a pair of clothes. Uh, yes, I'm wearing clothes right now. I've got another set back at home. In fact, most of us have closets full of clothes we'll never wear again. But what, what if, we think to ourselves, what if, uh, you know, what if the market crashes? Or what if interest rates continue just to climb and climb? What if inflation gets so bad I can't afford the bread that I have today? I'll have to get my week's supply in there with Panera stuff on Sunday morning. It's going to get so bad that'll be my last resort. Well... No, we are told to live one day at a time. In fact, Jesus concludes that section of Scripture reminding us of two things, how we need to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. He'll take care of all these things we need. But then He says, we shouldn't be worried about tomorrow. Take no thought for tomorrow. Don't be in anxiety concerning tomorrow for there's enough problems today to take care of today. No need to push your problems forward to tomorrow. Sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. And so, yes, the next time you're inclined to worry about tomorrow or next week or next year, just remind yourself, if your heart's still beating, uh, right now it's not worrying about beating next week or next year. It'll just keep doing what it does until it doesn't. And we need to keep doing the good we can do while we can until we can't. And Paul tells the Philippian brethren in Philippians chapter 4, Be anxious and worried about nothing but in everything but prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through or in Christ Jesus. 
Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing in everything, give thanks. Uh, this is what we should be doing rather than worrying about what may take place down the road. But then third, you can learn from your heart, we all can learn from our hearts, that our heart does what it does without being concerned about what it can't do, what it's not doing, what other parts of the body continue to perform. Now, Paul makes that same point in Romans 12 uh, in a fuller fashion in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, describing the, the church of our Lord as the body of Christ. And just as the human body is made of various members which have their various functions, all doing their best to do their best in their roles, so, so the body of Christ has all of us doing the best we can in the roles we're trying to fill never anxious about what somebody else is doing or jealous about what somebody else might be able to do. Instead, we continue doing what we can and filling the role we have. The heart does that. Now, we started by saying that aside from the brain, there's no part of your body more vital to your uh, aliveness than the heart. And yet... Where is it? You've seen pictures. Maybe you've seen videos. And maybe you had the doctor point up and say, there's yours right there. I got to have an image of it. But have you ever looked within yourself and seen your own heart? I haven't. Now, there are parts of me that uh, you can see right now. I've got my head completely uncovered. I've got a nose protruding perhaps beyond what it should. And imagine the heart saying, you know, people are looking at, at your head, they're looking at your nose, they see your ears, and I'm here doing all the work and nobody gives me any attention. I'm not seen by anybody. Oh, if I could just be on the outside, not the inside, I'd be so happy. If I could just be running rather than just beating, if I could be talking rather than just ticking along, if I could be thinking instead of just monotonously beating tick after tick and beat after beat, then I'd be happy. And as you know, your heart doesn't talk like that because your heart doesn't talk to begin with. But if it could, it wouldn't because it does what it does best and is content to do that. Not so with many of us who have hearts. Because in our anxiety and our fretfulness and our concern about what others are doing and what jobs they are or aren't doing and how well they are or aren't fulfilling their roles in the church, we find it our job to be judge and jury and sometimes executioner based upon what others should be doing or what we wish we could do that they are doing that we can't. Have you noticed that you are better at some things than others? Or let me turn it around. Have you noticed you're worse about some things than others? And both those things have things we can say honestly about. Uh, Jerry's done a wonderful job leading singing today. He really has. He was a little anxious about it. Not an anxious in a bad way, but he hadn't done this for a while. Like this, and hadn't done it here at all. Bang up job you've done today, Jerry. Appreciate it. But 
I'm looking out at a lot of folks that couldn't do what he's done. Even if you could stand here and command the attention of the folks present, I, I've heard some of you that can't carry a tune in a bucket. Uh, where that expression came from, I have no idea. But if you're going to carry one, I guess a bucket's the place to do it. And some can't carry it even there. If you're like that and you're one of the men here, please don't volunteer to lead singing. And you might say, well, I... I, I want to serve the Lord. Well, you can. Just not that way. There are so many other ways to serve the Lord. And you might be uh, one of the female persuasion saying, well, I never get to lead in the worship. As if to say, there's nothing I can do. There's so much you can do. Yes, we all have different roles to fill and abilities that we have. Things we can do things that we're better at or worse at than those around us, we should best be concerned with what we can do and give it all we have and do the best we can to fulfill our roles, whatever that is. Whatever that is. It might be no more than making phone calls, giving encouragement, baking a pie, leading a prayer in public services. It might be getting up and making a talk sometime. And it might be, it might be leading singing. You know, two of those we brought over from 10th that lead singing, Gil over here and Randy, uh, they weren't leading singing when I moved to 10th. But they were encouraged, well, won't you give it a, give it a shot? <laughs> On a Wednesday night, just, just try it. And after a while, I realized, I think I can do this. And like the little train, I think I can, I think I can. Over time, they got better and better and better. And now they're bona fide song leaders because they found they had an ability they didn't know they had. But your heart teaches you to do what you can do as best you can do it without being so concerned about what you can't do or what others around you are doing that you're not quite as good at. Find your niche and then work hard in that area. And then finally, and I think this may be most important for most of us, uh, our heart teaches us that uh, it's got to keep on beating. It's got to keep on keeping on. A lot of times folks ask me, what does it mean to be faithful? And they're talking about Christianity. What does it mean to be a faithful Christian? Expecting somehow that I'm going to, like a Pharisee, parse the, the minimum requirements of Christianity. And uh, If I could, I, I couldn't because the Bible doesn't give me authority to do so. Uh, and if I uh, had an inclination toward that, I'd be going in the wrong direction anyway. But still the question lingers. What does it mean then to be a faithful uh, Christian? Well, you put that in other areas, it's a pretty simple question to answer. If I were to ask you in a marriage situation, what does it mean to be a faithful marriage partner? You can answer that one. Uh, what does it mean for your heart to be faithful? Well, it, it, 
It keeps on doing what it was designed and built and made, created to do. It keeps on beating. Now, have you noticed those of us who are getting older and some of us past me who are actually older that the heart's not quite as strong as it used to be. Now, sometimes you're a bit more winded on a walk than you used to be. You have to catch your breath going up the stairs more than you used to have to. Uh, when you bend over, you have to realize, why, what am I down there for? And do something else while you're there to make the trip worthwhile because you lose your breath. The heart's not quite as strong as it used to be. And yet it keeps on doing what it's meant to do as best it can. It doesn't say, well, you know what, I, 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 I used to run track. I used to play basketball. I used to play football. I used to be out there running, and I can't do it, and so I'm just quitting. I'm thankful my heart doesn't respond that way. It can't do what it used to, but it can do what it does to keep me going. And just so in the church, we can learn from the heart in this respect, we can keep on doing the best we can as long as we're given, if we just keep on giving it our very best, day after day after day. Well, yes, but I, I just can't do what I used to. Well, who of us can? Well, I'm, I'm just not satisfied with, with what I do now based upon what I used to be able to do. It's the Lord's satisfaction that, that cow's not yours. What he demands, what he expects, what he so longs from all of us is just that we do our best. That's all he's expected of any of us, ever, about any project. Do our best. Ecclesiastes talks about serving the Lord with all of your might, giving it all you have. And the same thing is what Paul talks about in Colossians 3, giving it all you have, serving the Lord with, with might, with all you have to give. Now that's the old idea of diligence. And regardless your age, regardless how long you've been in this life, if you still have breath in you and a heart that beats, You've got something you can do, and you need to keep on keeping on. Even if it's no more than just coming to church services. Now, some can't do that, I realize. But I remember the story years ago of the man who was completely blind and mostly deaf. That... Uh, had to have somebody bring him into church services every time the doors are open. And the preacher asked the old man in his 90s, they, he said, you, you can't see. He said, no, I'm blind, and you can't hear anything. He said, I can barely hear anything. And so the preacher said, you can't get anything out of the service. Why do you keep coming? And the old man said, I, I, I want people to know which side I'm on. What he was doing was the best he could. And his example is such that after all these years, and that, by the way, is a true story. 
After all these years, his story is still told and the example still shines forth. He did something with his life when it seemed like his life would be over just by showing up. And so uh, the heart teaches us that you have to keep on ticking, keep on beating until, until it's over. We need to always do all we can as long as we're here. One thing we don't know is how long that'll be. None of us ever have, none of us ever will until the end come, but we know this. Hopefully we can say, as Paul did when he saw the end of his life coming, I fought a good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. Or as uh, the angel told John to write in Revelation 2, be faithful unto death and I'll give you a crown of life. Just keep on keeping on. And so those are just a few things perhaps we can learn from the heart that continues to beat. And if, if you've reflected on nothing else, just remember that the fact that you're still here after the sermon, like you were before the sermon, with your heart continuing to beat throughout the sermon, proves every point I've been trying to make. If you're here tonight and outside of Christ or a erring Christian or for any other reason to come uh, to uh, the invitation this evening, what better time to come than now? If you'll come as together we stand and sing.